Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. So then let's look ahead to the Rugby World Cup semi-finals and Kanyiso Chwaku is back. He spoke to us before the tournament started and uh, he now helps us look at the business end of this Rugby World Cup. Kanyiso, good evening and thanks again for speaking to us. Good evening, Tabiso. Good evening to the listeners. Are these for you, these last four teams that are standing, are these the four best teams in the tournament? Well... You could say, I mean, if you look at how the tournament turned out, um, it, 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 it reverted to type. I mean, it did say that Ireland, um, again, did those questionable and they're a team that have never progressed past the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And again, we haven't been proven wrong. So, I mean, if you look at how Wales have been performing, I mean, of the four teams in the semifinals, only South Africa have lost a group game, and they lost a group game to New Zealand who are in the semifinals. So you could say that, yes, it's, 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 it's the best four teams in, in, in the tournament that are competing in the semifinals. And out of these four teams, is there any team that's impressed you the most? Well, New Zealand have, um, despite their shaky lead-up in the tournament, they've reverted to type. They've shown the world... Um, why they are the world's best team, even though the rankings have at times decided that that is not also true. But England have been quite an impressive team there. They just spent of Australia last because of very, very, very efficient and professional performance. Um, one that New Zealand would have had to would have, would have had to take note of because England put up a very powerful forward performance. Also, they didn't do a lot of playing. They capitalized on England, on, on Australia's mistake, and also they were technically on the ball. So Eddie Jones has got something very good going there. So a lot of people on social networks are saying that um, the game between the New Zealand-England game is the final before the final. But you could also say the same thing when South Africa played New Zealand in, in, in the 2015 World Cup semi-final, where you always felt that even though Australia were a decent team in 2015, you felt that the final everyone wanted was the South African-New Zealand final, which happened to be the semi-final at Chukinum. Well, I tipped England to go all the way and <laughs> and win it, of course, if the box don't win it. And I'm not changing. I'm not about to change it anytime soon. But uh, for you then, let's look at England. I mean, had a break. There's the game that they didn't play. Uh, does, does that help them in any way? Are they fresher? Well, even New Zealand, I guess, also didn't play. Look, I mean, again, the way that the draw was, the draw was set out, the teams that would have topped those pools were chances are we're going to meet each other in, in the semi-finals. I think that extra week's break helped because maybe they could have taken a, bit of a, a, a few knocks leading into that last game. So um, you also don't know what kind of injuries they could have they, 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 they could have um, um, caught up with. Should it should have England played against France and New Zealand played against Italy? But again, look, um, I remember the Italians were complaining about that if mm. New Zealand um, needed the five points to get into the semi into the quarterfinals, um, the game would have taken place. With how the with how the Ireland game panned out and how dominant New Zealand were, but then again, one needs to realize that England also put 50 past Ireland, and I think so that game, we one realized that maybe Ireland weren't as good a team as we thought. So I think it's a game of two evenly matched teams. Um, I think again the officiating will play a critical role. I mean the officiating in the tournament has at times been a circus, to be honest. So again, um, you 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 you'd love the 46 players to be the ones that have a say in the game and not the match officials. And I think it will apply to both semifinals where you want uh, the, the, the 92 players to be the ones that determine how the game progresses and not officiating decisions that, as has been the case throughout the tournament. There's been some talk from the England camp about somebody spying at their training sessions there. Um, is, is, is there any way to that or is it just mind games that Eddie Jones is Mind playing? games, mind games. Eddie Jones, um, remember that as, as Australia's coach, 
um, Eddie Jones used to niggle New Zealand quite successfully. And remember, when he coached Australia, he had a quite decent record against um, New Zealand. But however, one needs to look back and realize that the New Zealand of 2001, 2002, 2003 didn't have World Cup winners. Um, if you look at the New Zealand of between 2011 and now, it's a, it's a team that knows how to win World Cups. It's a team that knows how to shift gears. So, look, I understand where Eddie comes from, but uh, I also think that he understands that New Zealand's rugby paradigm has shifted significantly um, in the, since 2007, since 2009, to be honest. So in the past 10 years, um, New Zealand rugby has gone on to notches where that other countries, especially the World Cups, may not have been able to match. I mean, New Zealand lost, lost a, a, rugby World Cup game, a, a rugby World Cup game back in 2007 when they lost to France in the quarterfinals in Cardiff. So there's proven quality, there's, there's a proven match-winning quality in that New Zealand team. And remember that they've been able to change their squad over the years. I mean, look at the tough decisions that they've made in particular. I mean, a team, ideally, the, the box in particular, have stuck with Villeneuve, um, despite the fact that he hasn't been playing well in the tournament. Mm. Ben Smith hasn't done much wrong um, in, in his career as a, New Zealand, as, as, a, as a quality New Zealand fullback. But in this tournament, they've made decisions that have worked on a game-by-game basis, and they've decided this decision works for us. Then let's stick to it. And remember that we had a discussion where we discussed the qualities of having Richie Moonga and Bowling yes. Barrett as a team and the combination. Team. It's worked in the World Cup. So New Zealand aren't scared of making tough decisions. An example would be Rico Ioane. Rico Ioane was New Zealand's first choice left winger. George Bridges now overtaken him in that regard. So New Zealand have been able to trust their players and trust their decision-making. But what about the decision to drop Sam, Sam Kane and bring in Scott Barrett to play at six for the first time in an All Blacks jersey? Um, I won't say this first time in an All Blacks jersey as a, um, as, as a blindside flank, but it's a big game to be dropping a big match player like Sam Kane. But again, New Zealand are at a point where they realize that anyone and anyone in the 31-man squad can do the job. Um, they wouldn't pick you in a 31-man team if you couldn't carry your weight, especially in a big game. I mean, they dropped they dropped Owen Frank leading into the World Cup. Yeah. And it's a decision they nearly regretted if it wasn't for Jerome Garfield's um, um, probably inept officiating in the, in the, in the Springbok game. But this, come, this, this, this comes to the build well against Ireland, and Ireland have a very strong pack. So the decisions that New Zealand have taken so far have paid off. I mean, Tom Curry and Sam Underhill um, a very good loose force. But again, but New Zealand's pack will be a different kettle of fish. There were times when England struggled against Australia, but in the second half, England started to gain their tendency and it showed in the silver position in the court and, they were in, and, and the way they were able to dominate Australia. So it's a big decision, but one that has been discussed. It's one that also has been tried in the past where Scott Barrett has been used as a blindside factor. Remember that New Zealand in the past have always tried to replace Jerome Kane. I think they came to a point and they realized that um, they won't get a player in the class of Jerome Kane. So whoever's in the position needs to be trusted to do the job as best as they can. So how do you see this one going? Are you still sticking with New Zealand uh, at, uh, when you told us before the tournament that you can't write them off like everybody seems to have done? No, you can't. I mean, I actually, there's a tweet from Mark Yohei where he said that the current class of New Zealand is our imposters and they won't get past the quarterfinals. If New Zealand actually would beat England, I'll actually, uh, I'll actually tag him on Twitter and ask him to just comment on that post that he made prior to the tournament. But I think, again, this is a very a very good England team. And it's a classic. Remember, when England were unbeaten um, in between World Cup, they didn't actually get to play New Zealand. So the teams now are actually meeting each other at what you could say the peak of their powers. 
um, New Zealand, I'm looking at New Zealand by two in this game. It's going to be a very tough one. Okay, and then let's look at the big one now on Sunday, uh, the Springboks against Wales. A lot of people say the Box have had an easy passage uh, to to the semi-finals by that match against uh, the All Blacks, and now they're going to face a real test. What do you make of that argument? I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I mean, Japan is a far from easy passage. I mean, there's a Japan team that beat Wales. Sorry, that beat Ireland. Ireland and Scotland. Scotland yeah. In the passage of a pool, a pool game, there are times when teams can't even do that at the Six Nations. So it's, it's because there's no easy game at this match level. If they did well against um, against against your likes of the Italy's and your Indonesia's, they didn't consider try. So the box have done well defensively. I think what they need to do now is to to, to convert the defensive dominance into something far more significant on the track because while the box have been scoring tries. You only feel that the box are happy to sit back and wait um, to make something happen. And I think Ireland, I mean, Wales played play the same way, where they actually waited on France to make mistakes. It was always a very good game, but they waited on France to make mistakes and they capitalized on France's mistakes. So it's very, it's two similar teams that are highly reliant on forward dominance. Um, having a game break a year or two, Wales are, Wales are, are missing. Um, Gareth Anscombe, but Dan Bigger has clocked in very well, but they've also got, um, they, they, they're missing Liam Williams, but they've also got a very good player in Jonathan Davies. He's their game-breaker so far. I mean, in the back of the box, one, the box hoped that uh, Andre Pollard finally arrived at the World Cup. He's been okay without actually setting the world alight, but a fly-off of his quality needs to stand up and be counted. It is a World Cup, um, and in a World Cup, you want your playmaker to arrive at a big stage. You've seen Play make. We saw Owen Farrell last week arrive at a very big game, and he made his presence felt that game. So you want to see the same from Andre Pollard. While the box game play doesn't quite allow him to do so, you want him to take the game by the scuff of the neck. And also, again, the issue of the bench. Again, Frontstein gets around on the bench. Um, it, it mainly caught the box on the hop last week where Chisholm Colby came off, and now Frontstein was one of only two back, uh, back, um, backline replacements. So again, it's it's it a cheeky thing that um, Rashi never get about. Clearly, he's trusted the processes that have worked for him over the past years, and he trusts them to work again on Sunday in Yokohama. Vili LaRue has been the biggest talking point. I want to play this clip of Rassi Rasmus on why he's persisting with Vili LaRue, and then I'll get your thoughts after the break. But let's hear from Rassi. Sabu's got a great try scoring record, uh, you know, uh, Makazola is doing the same. So, yes, uh, they are not very experienced, but they are, they are doing the job. And, and that's why having a calm head uh, with Vili at the back, um, uh, which I know is, is copying a little bit of flack currently, and we all understand why. But having a calm head between uh, two wingers who hasn't got 30, 40 test caps in the semi-final is pretty important. In many aspects of the game, you know, defence, kicking game, uh, Helping calm the nerves and stuff like that. Uh, so yes, having Makazoli in the form he is. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Wrapping up our World Cup semi-final conversation with Kanyus Ochako. Up next, we'll speak to Derek Hohat, who will join us in a studio. Uh, Kanyus, I played that clip of Rasi explaining why he's stuck with Vili Leroux despite the criticism. Uh, what do you make of his explanation? Um, from an experience perspective, um, it makes sense. But again, if you look at what New Zealand have done, um, they've taken a hard decision. A hard decision based on something that has worked for them in the past. They child players. I mean, they did. They, they, they tried the Bowling Barrett or the Timo 10-15 combo. And it came off like a charm. 
So, again, Ratti came across as an exciting coach. He also can be very conservative. And I mean, in a big game, you you hope and pray that your big player comes off. And from a box technical perspective, um, one of the reasons why the box backline, in particular the 10, the, the, the 19, 15 um, access has been so flat is because Willie Leroux hasn't been quite coming to the fore. If you remember how well he played against England last year, where his job as a secondary playmaker um, often put England under pressure. I mean, it actually forced New Zealand to try the same thing as much as Ben Smith is a good fullback. It's forced New Zealand to try the very same thing now, to mix up their play using the 10 and the two flops at 10 and 15. If you look at what Bowden, Barrett and Richie Mahunga do as a 10 and 15, that's what the box did to such amazing effect last year. The problem is now, really hasn't been able to quite recapture that form that made him quite so brilliant last year. Um, again, if you look at the back three, he's, it will be 60th test match on Sunday. He's vastly experienced. So, again, experience factor counts. But, again, um, there are players like Damien Williams who could have been cowed by the occasion, but are players, again, to thrive on confidence or what um, it's, it's the occasion that has been an issue. But also, in, a, in, in big games, like the Italy, for example, um, Rice could have been a bit bolder and, and trust such players like your Damien and your... Damien and your Warwick against um, a tier one side so where they could actually give them a fair run. So I think what what Rassi knows that he knows what he Rassi knows what he knows what, what he gets out of Villy. But it's a case of Villy now actually delivering in a big game because again it, he brings a vital left foot component. Well, number one, uh, number two is actually quite a dynamic fullback and he's attacking he's attacking in things more than make up for his defensive frailties. Remember the New Zealand game, his defensive frailties were exposed, his high ball frailties were exposed. So it's critical that he now comes to the party because again, because of the half penny, he'll be a critical factor for for for, for Wales. He may not be as flashy as a Liam Williams, but he does those basics, those line breaking basics those high ball basics, those coming in as a secondary playmaker basics so well. So again, really just needs to again stick to the basics that worked well for him last year. And trust me, if he gets going, Wales will have a big issue because they'll then will have to contend with two playmakers because if really has a good game, it's definitely going to wrap off on Andre Pollard because again, Pollard, what people don't say about him is a confidence player when the players around him are playing very well. He then starts buying into their confidence and he starts performing well. Really knows that he is the fulcrum of the pocket tech and of the pocket tech, him and Fat, but he now needs to come to the party on, on Sunday. A lot's been said about the forwards battle. You mentioned the 6-2 split on the bench. There, the physical battle is expected. But will the Welsh be able to give back as good as they get? Look, the Welsh, the, the Welsh pack um, is an efficient one. Um, they're not on an Indian par, but funny enough, they've always found ways to compete. But again, um, that's where Jerome Garcia's will be critical on Sunday. Um, how will he, how will he officiate the game? Again, the, if you look at the box record, four from 14, already the box on the back foot because they'll feel that already this is a match official that we don't quite do it under. So again, scrum will be an issue in the, in the New Zealand game. The All Blacks were under pressure at scrum time. The box got noted. We'll for it. So Jerome Garcia's again will be under pressure because if now the box apply the same kind of pressure at scrum time, and he then doesn't penalize well. It's going to be a problem because again the box, were able, box weren't able to make to to make a dominant count against All Blacks. But in a critical game like 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 Sunday's one, those scrum penalties will be critical because the Welsh scrum um, had issues against France in the first half, but in the second half they came good. So it explains why Rassi has gone for a six-two split because effectively it gives him a fresh pack 
I'm to last the second half, and in case the game goes extra time. But then you also hope that at some point you don't get any backline injuries where now your your, your sixty split becomes exposed because Wales are, I haven't seen Wales as a bench yet. But generally, even for a key game, New Zealand have gone for a four three split. England have gone for a four three split. So clearly they trust who they what they have on the bench. Um, so but it, it's um, but with uh, South Africans, um, clearly there's an issue with um, trusting the other backline players. But again, Russ is clear in his, in his objective is that the forwards will deliver the ball to the backs. And what the backs do with it will be critical for the outcome of the game because the box pack is a fearsome one. They showed against Zealand that they can get around the box. They can bully any team on the day. But again, it's the backs who didn't convert opportunities. So the box, the, the box pack, regardless of who played, have done very well. I think now it's time for the backs to actually now come to the party. Well, I actually heard Rusty during the week saying that they've got a lot of contingency plans, including if worst comes to worst, having a loose forward that joins that back line. He didn't say which loose forward uh, that will be. But as we wrap up now, can you say a lot's been said about the past four matches uh, with the box having not been able to beat Wales since the 2015 Rugby World Cup. Can we read a lot into that, considering that the one test was in, in the US and the other test, I don't think Rusty, uh, when he was in charge, had all his players available. Look, it's form and momentum. Those are um, critical results. And you realize that whatever the box tried in those games didn't quite work. But you can ask yourself the very same, the next question. Which team has a better World Cup pedigree? It's the Springboks. Which team has been to more finals in Wales? It is the Springboks. Um, I mean, it's, 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 you look at those past four games and you realize that Wales actually do have a pen. They actually know what it takes to beat the Springboks. But can they do it? It's like... The, people, the, people, the, the, the question that people ask about Messi should be moved to England. Can he do it in a cold game, Stoke? The question is now, can Wales do it in a knockout game? Because an example is Ireland. Ireland had won two of the past two games against All Blacks. But in the game that counted, the quarterfinal game, they were found wanting. Again, the Springboks aren't All Blacks. We need to not trifle about that. Um, the Springboks are a very decent side, but they're not in the All Blacks class. But I think the box will look at this game and realize that as much as they've been on the, on the wrong end of results against Wales, it's a new game, new mentality, and they, it's, it's a fresh game. Whatever happened in the lead-up to the World Cup doesn't count. Last year, over the past years, we, told, we, we trumped up, and I, 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 one of those who trumped up um, Ireland as potential World Cup um, um, winners. Um, but in the World Cup year, uh, it, they faulted. So again, you'd find that what happens in between World Cup years doesn't count. I mean, look at the All Blacks. All Blacks had a very shaky end of the year. Had a very second start to the season, but look at where they are now. They're looking like a team that will, should defend the title. So, look, I don't know that the Wales. I'm sorry, Wales know that they had the wood over the Springboks. But in the quarter, in the semi-final, World Cup semi-final, a stage where they've never progressed past, a stage that the box had progressed past twice before, it's going to be a very tricky. It's going to be a very big game from a mental perspective. Box to win by how many? Um, I can't say, but I think again it will go to extra time. And the box through to the final? I should think so. Okay, can you? So before we let you go, we're going to speak to Derek Hochard. I mean, what's the first thing that comes to mind or any, or the first game that comes to mind when we say Derek Hochard? Samoa 2003. That right, Lima. Right, Lima. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. No, if you listen, if you listen to the commentary on YouTube, Greg Martin is on commentary, and he absolutely goes crazy when he gets hit because he got the late Josh from the Mixers and sold 
um, a hospital pass. Of a hospital pass. <laughs> he had no, he had no chance. He had absolutely no chance against the chiropractor. Okay, let's be nice. Our guest is in studio now. But Kanye Sachako, thank you for joining us. SABC Sports uh, commentator, analyst, also with the TSO Blackstar Group as a sports journalist, of course. Uh, Kanye Sachako just helping us preview other Rugby World Cup semifinals.